All right, praise God. So um, here we are once again, uh, discipleship class number 18. And uh, if you do the math at home, that's uh, the halfway point, 18 out of uh, 36 classes. So uh, we are, um, uh, I was going to say we're right on schedule. We may be still a little bit behind um, where we've been in previous years, but we can, we can make up for some lost time uh, in our next section, I think. Uh, Main thing is, uh, when we move over into 2024 and the back half of these classes, we're really going to dig into what it means to be born again. A uh, lot of people have been saved, but most of the people who've been saved have no idea what happened to them uh, when they were. Okay, And so uh, it's one of my uh, favorite things to explain to people because it's, you know, you receive the gift of salvation, but so many times we... We just don't even understand what all that gift includes and involves. And most people just think in terms of their forgiveness of sins, and, and it is so, so, so much more than that. So that's the main thing is we start looking at, you know, finishing strong and what we want to get to uh, in the next 18 classes. Those are some of the things. We'll get to Stickman Theology where we really dig into um, spirit, soul, and body and, and what that means to be a three-dimensional being which I believe is important to understand a lot of things in the Bible, but you'll never understand salvation uh, until you first understand that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And so we've talked about that off and on throughout, but we will really, really dig uh, into that uh, in the, uh, as they say, the back nine, the back 18 uh, of, of these classes. So, But uh, tonight we're going uh, to do what I call a kingdom overview. And when we say kingdom overview, the Bible in the, in the Old and New Testament, but specifically in the ministry of Jesus, he talked a lot about the kingdom of God. And we do not have the time to really dig into, and we could, we could teach for months on the kingdom. That's how much the Bible has to say about the subject. So when I say an overview, I'm going to give an overview of that because it's uh, necessary, I think, uh, for what we're going to continue to build uh, on as we move forward. So praise God. It's so great to see so many of you uh, here. Uh, sometimes these classes that land in between Christmas and New Year's and, you know, folks are traveling and have other things going on. And so if anything, I think we've got more folks here tonight than we've had in, in several weeks. So, uh, and I believe the same is going to be true with those watching online. So, but let's pray and, uh, and we'll get right to it. Father, you are so good to us and we acknowledge that this, this evening as, as we get started. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, that you are passionate about your children uh, learning and knowing and understanding uh, your truth. And Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, he's leading us and guiding us tonight, uh, helping us to, to focus in on and hear from you and receive from you the things, Father, that you have prepared for us now. Father, thank you for the men and women in this room, those watching online, those that will watch later, uh, Father, uh, after the, the recording is, is completed. I thank you, Father, that, that you know no distance, Lord, and, and, and folks, Lord, that are uh, many, many miles from this uh, location, Father, are hearing and receiving and experiencing uh, wherever they are what we're going to hear, receive, and experience here in this room together this evening. Thank you again uh, for your faithfulness to us, for always believing the best about us, never giving up on us, Father. Uh, always, always, always encouraging us and always, always faithful to us. And we thank you, Lord, for just a, a new day, a new beginning, a day that you've made. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. So there's a, a few 
notes that we really didn't get to last week, and I put them in the beginning of the notes for this week. Just if I could real quick, and, and maybe I can just say enough that it'll be enough without really digging into so many more of these verses. Um, but one of you know, what we were talking about last week, uh, it segues into, in other words, it, it moves over into where we're headed this week. And so if we, if we go back briefly, we were talking about heaven's plural. And we see in the scriptures where on many, many occasions, it doesn't say heaven as in one singular, but it says heavens as in multiple or, or plural heavens. And by piecing things together from different places in the Bible, we identified the three heavens. And we said the first one was the lower atmosphere that surrounds the earth. And then we could call it different things. The Bible doesn't specifically name it, but like the planetary heavens or what we might think of as outer space. And then, of course, we have the third heaven. The Bible does refer to the third heaven, uh, and that is the now place where the throne of God is and also where paradise is, uh, is located. And again, piecing different things together, we won't try to go back through and reassemble those pieces to paint that picture for you. But where we finished last week was when Daniel was here on the earth and he was praying uh, for an answer because he had found in the scriptures where some things uh, that were spoken of in scripture should have, should have already come to pass and God's people should have already been experiencing and enjoying, but they were not. And so Daniel was wanting some understanding of where that was concerned and, and what's up here, God, and what, what do we need to do? What corrections do we need to make uh, so that we can have your best and experience and enjoy your best in our lives? And so Daniel prayed and the, and the Bible says that the day he began to pray that an angel left the third heaven uh, with his answer. And, the, and when he eventually made it to Daniel, so important here, he says, I came because of your words. I came because of your words. And so remember we talked about the word of God and God putting his words in your mouth, covering you with the shadow of his hand so that you can plant the heavens. Well, I say so that you can, so that he can plant the heavens through you. And remember we talked about the word of God coming down, but it will accomplish and it will prosper when it's returned. And it has to be returned, Right. By me and you, we are the voice of his word in the earth. And so a lot of those things that we were wanting to connect together there. So he came because of Daniel's words. But on his way from the third heaven, he met resistance in the lower heavens uh, and, and was doing uh, battle, you know, fighting there with uh, a demonic prince. Uh, and then Michael came from the third heaven, took over that fight so that he could make it all the way to the earth with Daniel's answer. But then he told Daniel, now on my way back, uh, the, the prince of Greece is going to join the prince of Persia, demonic forces, and I, now I've got to fight my way to get back, right? So uh, the, the idea, of course, is uh, accessing uh, answers from heaven, accessing help from heaven uh, before Jesus came was very difficult. It, it was very hard because heaven was very far away. And uh, three heavens away and demonic spirits, you know, fighting and resisting the answers that were, that were here. But then remember that last verse that we looked at in John chapter 1, Jesus standing on the earth and he's, he's talking to his disciples and he says, I say to you that hereafter you shall see heaven open, heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So the idea that I'm, I'm wanting you to understand is that Jesus 
blazed a trail for us. He, he opened up uh, a, a portal, if you will, uh, a channel, if you will, uh, through which angels now can easily pass back and forth. And if we were really going to spend the next hour on this subject, we could see verse after verse after verse um, where it talks about Jesus being a fitting high priest who has passed through the heavens. That's uh, in Hebrews 4 and 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Oh man, for some reason, my, are they changing behind me? Okay, let me see what I'm doing here. They're on top of each other. All right, let's see if we can get that fixed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so there's the John. Is it working now? Okay, thank you, thank you. All right, so um, that was operator error, not technical issues. All right, so notice it says, Seeing that we have a high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And again, there's a lot of good teaching that we could do here. But when you read now and you study and you see verses that mention things like this, you, you, you get a better understanding of, of what he's talking about when it says he's passed through um, the heavens. Here's another one, Colossians 2 and 15, where in the New King James it says, Jesus having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. All right. Now, you read that and it's like, okay, that sounds good. Go Jesus. But what he's really saying here is that when Jesus left this earth, do you remember when he's in the garden and, and Mary is crying and she thinks he's the gardener and, and Jesus uh, uh, says her name and she realizes who he is, but he tells her not to touch him because he's got to go to his father and, and to her father and he's going to do what? He's going to pour his blood out on the altar in heaven and, and basically seal uh, our redemption forever. Praise God. And, and so he's passing through. Well, now, remember also in 1 Corinthians, I get excited about this, but help me, Holy Spirit, give us just enough that we need so we can get to some other things, all right? Um, but do you remember the Bible says that if Satan had known what the plan of God was, he would have never laid a finger on Jesus. He would have never killed him. You know, because he thought when he killed him, he had, he had ended it, right? But, but it was the great plan of God that was kept hidden from God's enemies because when S Satan killed Jesus, he in essence sealed his own fate, right? And brought redemption uh, for you and uh, for me. And so now, I'm putting it in my own words, demonic forces in the lower atmosphere, because remember, control the earth, you've got to control what's over the earth, Okay. So the demonic forces in the lower atmosphere, they're realizing that they've messed up now because Jesus has, has raised from the dead. And so now it's an all-out effort in the demonic realm, in the lower atmosphere, to try to keep Jesus from making it back to the throne in heaven. So, for example, the Wiest translation reads this way. Having stripped off and away from himself the principalities and authorities, he boldly made an example of them, leading them in triumph in it. So the imagery that I want you to see here, and the Holy Spirit will help you with this, okay? Remember the, when the angel came and he's fighting the prince of Persia and Michael comes because they gotta, it takes both of them, and now he comes on down, but now he's coming back and the prince of Greece has left his position, his post, and he's going to fight. Uh, so now you got the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece, you know, trying to keep this angel from making it back, uh, you know, to the third heaven. All right. So I want you to imagine now, it's not just an angel trying to make it back. It's Jesus with the blood that will eternally seal our redemption. 
So it is all demon hands on deck, if you will. But see, this was the plan of God. So now that they all come together, this is where Jesus defeated every one of them. Again, we've got to lose this idea that, um, that, that hell is like the devil's hideout. or, the, or you know, It's his place of eternal punishment. So when Jesus went to death, hell, and the grave, and then comes back with the keys, he, he comes back with the keys of death, hell, and the grave, meaning authority over these things, right? And liberty over these things for you and for me. He won that battle for you and me, just like he won the battle for sin uh, over sin for you and me. So this is where, in the, not in the belly of the earth, but it's in the earth's lower atmosphere is where Jesus, could I, could I say it? It's kind of corny, but I still, it's where he stomped the mud hole and all the forces of Satan, right? all the forces of darkness, right? And, and so, um, praise God. So notice now, here's another one, Hebrews 7 and 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become, what, higher than the heavens. Are you seeing this, right? So he's got the name above every name. He's got the throne that's above every throne. This is why uh, Jesus came in Matthew 28, 18. He came and spoke to them. Now remember, this is after all this has taken place, Right? And so he tells Mary, you go tell them I've got some real important business to take care of, but I'm, I'll be there and I'll talk to them, right? And so when he comes in, what does he say? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth now. In heaven and on earth, right? Now, we'll get to some of these passages in future studies, but in Ephesians 1 and then in Ephesians 2, it says that you and I have been raised up together with Jesus. Well, let's just go to Ephesians 2. Praise God. Ephesians 2, chapter 4. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if we're going to look at chapter 2, we might as well look at chapter 1. Amen. Chapter 1. Praise God. I am uh, I'm almost like silly excited about the sermon tonight in the main service and also the kingdom overview and uh, so I just need to kind of settle down and we'll just take our time here. Praise God. All right. <clears throat> Man, what he's done for us. What Jesus has done for us. What, the title of, of our Christmas sermon this year at Heritage was What You Got for Christmas. What You Got for Christmas. Amen. Because we, we don't even, we have no idea what he's done for us, what he's given us, all these gifts. Right? So, here we see Ephesians 1.19, it says, and, and the context of this is, is Paul, the apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit to pray that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of God, and that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of God's calling, and then pick it up in verse 19, that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places." So it wasn't just that Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead all the way through the heavens. A high priest who's passed through the heavens, right? Defeating every devil in the lower atmosphere and now is seated in the heavenly places, which he, uh, so again, uh, far above, notice now far above, remember the heaven over me and you has a heaven over it, right? 
Okay? Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. It goes on to say, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The key thing I'm wanting you to see for now is where Jesus is seated. And not just barely above with devils nipping at his heels, but he is far above. And not just most of them, all of them. Every principality, every power, every might, every dominion, every name that is named. Jesus is, is positioned in authority over them. All authority in both heaven and on the earth is now in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, with that said, though, look at what we find in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 6. 4, 5, and 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together with Christ, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we are positioned with Jesus far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named both in this age and the age that it is to come. We are seated together with him in that place of authority. Now let's go back. Some of you were here for these classes. Some of you were not. But let's go back. John chapter 3. Anybody remember this one? Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe... How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven. To ascend means to go up. But he, Jesus, who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. All right? Now, what's going on here? Nicodemus comes to Jesus because he's wanting to understand how Jesus is able to do the miracles that Jesus is doing. Nicodemus is seeing Jesus perform undeniable miracles. But he can't figure out, as a scholar of the Old Testament, he can't figure out who Jesus is or where Jesus fits. And again, remember the typical Pharisaical answer, right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, Jesus is from Nazareth, and therefore that eliminates him from any place prophesied of in the Old Testament, except for the Messiah was born in Bethlehem, that was prophesied, right? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That his, he was from Nazareth, but they traveled to Bethlehem, and he was born there. If they'd have done a little more digging, right, they would have found him in the, the Scriptures. So Nicodemus is confused because as an as a Old Testament scholar who knows it frontwards and backwards, he can't put Jesus, Jesus doesn't fit in his thinking, right? But it's undeniable to Nicodemus that God's with Jesus because of the miracles that Jesus is performing. And so Nicodemus is coming to Jesus for answers. And he begins by saying, we know God's with you because you couldn't do the signs that you do. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom. And Nicodemus is like, I'm not, what are you talking about, right? But see, he's answering the question Nicodemus doesn't even know how to ask. Because what is Jesus in essence saying? Jesus is in essence saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you are seeing my father's kingdom. Nicodemus understood a prophet being anointed by God's spirit with a measure of God's spirit to enable him to work miracles, right? And Nicodemus, that's all he really understood. And so he's trying to figure out if Jesus is a prophet or not. And if Jesus is operating under that Old Testament 
prophet model, if you will. But Jesus is not operating under the Old Testament prophet model. The Old Testament prophets were given a measure of God's Spirit. The Bible says of Jesus, He was given God's Spirit without measure. Amen. And so what Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus understand is because he, he should have known, and I'm sure he did understand, the concept of God's kingdom. And what Jesus was trying to help Nicodemus understand is that the long-awaited kingdom is here. And what you're seeing in these miracles is not a specially anointed singular person God working through, but you're seeing God's kingdom breaking forth in this natural world. It's God's kingdom that's multiplying food. It's God's kingdom that's uh, healing uh, the blind and, 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 and the crippled. It's God's kingdom that's multiplying uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the demonic deliverance and all these things that were happening over and over and over and over again. Nicodemus is confused by this. He says, how can a man when he's full grown go back in his mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus doubles down on it. He says, unless you're born again, you will never enter the kingdom. So now he's talking about us not just seeing it, but, but entering into it and being a part of it. By this thing called the new birth, by being born a second time. What's born of the water is water, but what's born of the Spirit is spirit. you got to be born of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. What's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the Spirit is spirit. How are you a prophet and how are you a teacher in Israel and don't know these things? Watch this now. He says, am I going too fast? He says, the wind blows where it, where it listeth. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes, but you hear the sound of it. Watch this now. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus going, what, what's he talking about? All right. So remember this. Anybody, if you were here, I'm giving you a real concise overview of this. If I'm sitting in my living room and I look out the window and I see a tree move, I don't think an eight-foot grizzly bear is out there banging on the tree. I know that it's the wind blowing. I can't see the wind, but I can see the results that it's producing. Nicodemus was seeing visible signs from an invisible source. He was seeing miracles performed, but he could not see where they were coming from. The, the miracles were coming from the invisible kingdom. It's an invisible kingdom producing visible results. But now watch this. Jesus said, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. He goes on to say this to Nicodemus. He says, Nicodemus, I've told you what I know. And I've told you what I've seen and heard. And you haven't listened to a single thing that I've said up until this point. Okay. Now, what does that mean? That means up until this point, Jesus had taught parables. Everything that he had taught from heaven, he had used something from the earth that people could hear, understand, and relate to. A woman had ten coins. A man had two sons. A farmer planted seed. You, you follow me, right? So Jesus is using things that people could relate to from their world to, to better understand things from his world. So when Nicodemus says, everything I've said up to this point you haven't heard or listened to or believed or received, and everything I've told you up until now, there's been something from your world that I could compare it to. And if you're, not, if you're not receiving that, how will you receive something from my world that there's nothing in your world I have to compare it to or with, right? And then he said these words. He says, 
No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. What is he saying here? He said, Nicodemus, you see me here, but I'm not just here. While I'm here, I'm there, and while I'm there, I'm here. What is he saying? Jesus is saying, I'm touching two kingdoms at the same time. I'm touching two worlds at the same time. I'm here on this earth ministering, but I'm ministering as one who is seated in heavenly places. The kingdom of God was flowing through Jesus. And every miracle, every sign that Jesus performed on this earth, he performed as an ambassador, as a representative of God's kingdom. We've got to make this adjustment. We've got to make this adjustment in our minds and in our understanding. Because so many in the, in the body of Christ today, uh, you know, given those who still believe God does miracles, they still believe like Nicodemus, that it's got to be some specially appointed, specially anointed man or woman somewhere on planet earth that we can go find that's got the goods, that's got the juice, and, and, and can somehow you know, lay hands on us and heal us. Jesus said, whoever believes in him will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Every child of God, every born again man or woman. Oh, Jesus, tell me, Father. Listen to me. See, this is, the devil doesn't want you to think that. He doesn't want you to know this. He doesn't want you to understand this, right? I'm talking about what Jesus said. If you've been born again, you have the ability because you are a citizen of the kingdom. You are in the kingdom and the kingdom is in you. You have the ability to lay your hands on the sick and the sick recover. Now, I'm not meaning to be negative here. If you never do it, you'd have lived your whole life as a, since you were born again until the day you stand in front of Jesus with the ability, that power and ability, gift in you. Amen. Whether you ever, whether you ever do it or not. Amen. All right, let me, let me get back focused here. Okay. Um, so are, are you seeing now how these things... I'm trying to connect some stuff together before we move into this understanding and deeper understanding of what the kingdom of God is. Jesus brought the kingdom of God from the third heaven to the earth. And it's still here. His kingdom is here and it's here to stay. I'll show you that in the scriptures. I'll show you that in the scriptures. Okay. Now... <clears throat> One, one last part. Let me give you two verses, well, two passages, four verses total from the Old Testament and then one, one verse, one passage from the New Testament. And let's comment on those. And then we'll get to kingdom overview. Praise God. The first one is Psalm 103 and uh, verse 19 and 20. Amen. It says, the Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. All right, now, <clears throat> there are certain things that I cover over the years that for a lot of you, it's, it's, uh, you've known this your whole life and it's good. Uh, but also from experience know that there are some people who are still confused about this. And so let's make sure that we clear up the confusion, all right? Um, over uh, Friday, I had the honor of, um, of uh, speaking at 
Louise Prestwood, uh, her uh, going home celebration, 101 years old. Amen. Her youngest son is like an older brother to me and my brother. And um, precious, precious lady. Amen. All right. And um, some might think, well, you know, when Louise went to heaven that she became an angel. And that's absolutely, positively incorrect. Okay. When someone, when a human being, let's just say it this way, your grandmother, aunt, grandfather, whoever. All right. When, when a human being... Um, leaves this earth and goes to heaven. They do not go to heaven to become an angel. Angels are a completely different type of being created by God. And, and one of the things that we see about angels is that the Bible says we will one day judge angels. One of the things we see in the New Testament about angels is that, is that angels, um, they don't understand the kind of affection and love that God the Father has for us. It's, the Bible says it's something that they long to look into, but they're not there, okay? Remember, Lucifer was um, an angel, an archangel, uh, and, and he rebelled and fell uh, from heaven and took one-third of the angels with him. We have no record of God ever asking if Satan wanted to come back and work it out. But when we fail, he sent his only son to die for us just to give us the option of coming back should we choose to. So the idea that, amen, that we are angels. Now that whole judging angels part, I think we, and this is the best answer I've been able to give on that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, but this is my best answer. We sometimes think judging means to judge and pronounce sentence or punishment. I think we're going to judge angels in the sense of all the times we just thought we were lucky or a good driver. We're going to find out one day that, that it was ministering spirits. It was angels, guardian angels. that, And those, we're going to judge them to reward them, to, to uh, finally see for ourselves how they've helped us and what they've done for us over the years uh, and how many times we would have bought the proverbial farm if it had not been for them. Amen. So I don't want to get you too confused on, on that. And if we have time in, in the next 18 classes, we'll dig into some of that a little deeper. Um, but here, here's the thing um, that I want you to connect together with all of this, okay? Um, ministering spirits in the earth's atmosphere. You're touching two worlds at the same time. God's words come down from heaven. He's covered you with the shadow of his hand. He's put his words in your mouth so he can plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, saying design, you are my people. Now we see that in addition to in this lower earth's atmosphere, that there are not just uh, demonic spirits there that, by the way, can, can be battled against with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. We also see that there are ministering spirits, angelic beings, uh, there that that respond to that heed heed means more than hear heed means to hear and respond to who heed who do his word who hear and respond to the voice of his word so you and I we are the voice of God's word you and I are the voice of God's word remember that when he's talking about the high priest who's passed through the heavens let's hold fast our confession our confession 
Confessing what? Remember, to confess means to say the same as. So God says something to us, we're saying the same as God back to God. We're saying the same as God back to God about our situation, about our children, about our finances, about our health, about our emotional well-being, about our strength and stamina, uh, about our future and our destiny. We're, we're coming into agreement with God and we're saying what God says. Amen? All right. So when we do this, angels in the lower atmosphere of the earth are hearkening to the voice of God's word. You are the voice of his word, and they're hastening to do it, to carry it out, to perform it. Okay? Now, um, Psalm, I said two. Let's go Psalm 103, 21, 22. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. They do God's pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. Where is his dominion reached now? It reaches heaven and earth, right? In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then Hebrews 1 and 14, speaking of angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? And if you underline, highlight, draw light and bolts around things in your Bible, I want you to highlight that word for. They, they minister for those who will inherit salvation. We have inherited. We, have, we are recipients of the Lord's salvation. Amen. So if you've been born again, he's talking about you here. And he's saying that, that angels are all ministering spirits, and they've been sent forth from heaven to minister. Now listen, I, I, I don't have a problem with you thinking or believing, and I don't think you would be wrong, because we do see where... where ministering spirits angels have ministered to people okay but he's emphasizing something different here it's not just that they minister to you but that they minister for you okay do you understand the concept of somebody doing something for you as opposed to them doing it to you yes do you understand what he's saying here so he's saying that that these angelic beings are there to do things on your behalf. They're there to, to help you by, by ministering to you, uh, serving you, and, and, and carrying out things for you. But what activates them? They hearken to, they heed, they respond to, and they carry out the voice of God's Word. They carry out God's Word, but again, His Word has to be what? It has to be spoken. It has to, it has to come forth from you to plant the heavens. Are you hearing me? Now, has anybody, and I, just think about this, because been, we've been on this subject one way or another now for several weeks. Have, have you noticed that, that when there are things in your life that you need some help with, there are some, maybe some problems, some issues, some dilemma, some symptoms, some obstacle, whatever, um, have you noticed that it's so much easier to talk about it than to speak to it? Do you understand what I mean by that, right? Those watching online wondering if I, the camera was broken. I'm sorry, I've had the, uh, the overlay on the verses and all that stuff for a good bit of time here, so it got carried away there. Um, easier to talk about it than to speak to it. See, this is what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to talk about your problems instead of speaking the Word of God to your problems. You just simply stating what the problem is that's not what angels hearken to. That's not what they heed. That's not, right. 
What do they heed to? What are they, what are they waiting for you to say so they can go carry out and do God's pleasure in your life? They're waiting for God's word. The word of God. For you to speak the word of God. When you speak, I want you to get this now. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get too crazy on you here, but, but I, everybody, this is Bible-based. I want you to begin to envision. I want you to begin to see, eyes of faith, right? That when you speak the Word of God to a problem in your life, angels, and they're not slow about it, they are, they are immediately going forth to start working on that and resolving that situation for you. Amen. 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 Now, if, if, angels, if angels respond to God's word, demons, remember, they're just fallen angels. They've been trained. They were hardwired, so to speak, to respond to words. Right? I, I want you to think about this, okay? And, and you say this may be strong. Well, I'm, I want it to be strong because I want it to, I want it to really impact your thoughts and in, in, in your mind, okay? I, I want you to think of, of how elated Satan is to hear us complain. Right? He loves to hear us complain and gripe. Are you, right? Right? See, that's what he wallows in that. He responds to that. That gets him jazzed up. Thankfulness, thanksgiving, worshiping God. No, see, that... that Beelzebub, right? That repels him. Complaining, uh, whining. Are you hearing me, right? One of my heroes of the faith, Kenneth E. Hagan, he was talking about this woman that he prayed for and prayed for some more and prayed for some more. And Finally, somebody asked him, they said, did she receive? And he said, I don't think so. He said, the whine never left her voice. The whine never left her voice. Amen. I mean, sometimes we've got to get the whine out of the voice, right? We've got to get victory in our mouths. Amen. Amen. And if we're waiting to see victory before we say victory, well, that's not faith. That's how I believe it when I see it. But our Bible says to let the weak say I'm strong. It requires no faith for a weak person to talk about how weak they are. For a, for a broke man or woman to talk about how poor they are. For a sick man or woman to talk about how sick they are, right? Amen. Come on now. But what is God saying? He's saying, listen, I've sent my word to heal you. And it will accomplish and it will prosper the very thing that I sent it forth to accomplish and prosper in your life. If it's returned to me, it will not return without prospering and accomplishing. And, it's, and certainly it's God is behind his word. But we also know that in this earth's atmosphere, there are demonic spirits who are trying to hinder and, and, and uh, distract and discourage and all these other things. And this is why when we engage in this thing called spiritual warfare, where we have to speak the word of God. Let me ask it another way. What are you giving your ministering spirits to work with? What, what are you... What are you, you know, <laughs> let, let me give you two things that we ought to all be thankful for. We ought to, first of all, all be very thankful that God's justice is not immediate or we'd all been gone a long time ago, right? Okay. And the other thing is we ought to all be thankful for is that, is that everything that we speak over ourselves and other people doesn't come to pass immediately. Amen. Right? But the more we start to understand the power of words, and by the way, 
we'll talk about this. We'll do probably a whole class on the power of our words. But let me just give you, um, let me give you a scale to understand how important words are in God's eyes. Jesus said you'll give an account for every idle word that you speak. <laughs> so, so an idle word is just one that's in neutral, right? It's not in backwards or forwards. It's just, it's just idling. Amen. All right? Okay. So, again, what, what are you giving the ministering spirits that have been sent forth from God to minister for you on your behalf? They hearken. They're waiting to hear the word of God to do God's pleasure in your life. What, what, are, what are you telling them, right? What are you saying? Amen. See, this freaks a lot of people out, but, but uh, and I'll move on here after I say this, okay? God says that you can have what you say. But most of his people won't quit saying what they have. I'll say that again, all right? God says that you can have what you say. But most of his children won't quit saying what they have. Right? So when we say what we have is when we just complain and, well, this, and I wish nothing ever works out for me, and I don't even know why I bother, and it's just frustrating this time of year. I'm always so depressed, and it's just another new year, and it's going to be another year just like last year. And I, I don't know why I've even bothered not getting anything out there. I'm not fooling anybody. Just, again, the devil just wallows in all that, right? Amen. They won't quit saying what they have, Right? Do you understand? I see some of you are getting it, right? Amen. You can have what you say, but stop saying what you have. If you're weak, stop saying you're weak. Start saying in Jesus' name, I'm strong. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm of God, little children. I've been born of God. I'm a child of God. And greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. See, you start saying that stuff, man, angels like, and they're like, they're like, here we come, right? Can you imagine an angel been in the presence of God for, you know, 100,000 years? Looking at you and me, questioning something God has said. Can you believe that? Can you believe that they don't? Trust this? I mean, just, you know, what is he, what is, you know, I sometimes, this is kind of an odd way, but it, if it's, I, I mean, no disrespect to, to the angels, but it's like, you ever had like a friend that had a boyfriend or girlfriend and you did not, for the life of you, understand what they saw in him or her? It's like, I don't get this, man. I don't, what is this, you know? She can do so much better, you know what I'm saying? You know, and, you know, I think it's, angels are like that. It's like, man, they, you know, they, they deny him, they, you know, all sort of stuff, and he just keeps on loving them, just keeps on, you know, so, yeah, it's an amazing thing, an amazing thing. All right, 54 minutes into the class, we're going to go to Kingdom Overview, where I thought we would start, but I think we need to say all that, so, <laughs> amen. There are certain things that the devil has tried your entire life to keep you from ever hearing. You understand what I mean by that? He, he doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ. He doesn't want you to know. It's kind of like when Abraham Lincoln, um, you know, the most powerful leader uh, in the United States of America, uh, and I'm going to simplify it because I know there's more to it politically, but when he basically signed the Emancipation Proclamation and... Um, all those slaves picking cotton, their smartphones started dinging. 
And they got the news? No, they didn't. It's like, wow, did you see that? You know, no, it's, they didn't know. And nobody told them. But then, like, who knew to tell them? And, and, and so now the slave owners are saying, well, I mean, it's what it says, but it's not really what it means. And you can leave if you want to, but where are you going to go? You realize there were people still living in slavery in the 1970s in rural South America, in rural southern United States of America? We said, well, they're not really slaves. Sharecroppers owing more money than they could make in 10 lifetimes living in the same house their ancestors lived in. For all intents and purposes, they were still slaves. Been freed for 100 years. And so it's the thing with the devil, right? Same thing. You get born again, you've been made one with God, right standing with God, heir of God, joint heir with Jesus, seated in heavenly places far above every demonic spirit, the ability to cast them out. Also, man, the devil's like, that ain't what that means. That ain't for everybody. That's not for today. That's not who you are. You and I both know that's not who you are. That's his only hope is to keep lying to you and, and, and deceiving you and telling you because what's the alternative? The alternative is for you to become just as difficult for him to handle as Jesus was. Amen. All right. So along those same lines, this is why Satan never wants people to understand God's kingdom. And a lot of that has to do with, with what this slide right here communicates. Okay, And I want you to hear me out on all this, but, but the gospel of salvation, first of all, the word gospel means good news. Okay, So you've got the good news of salvation. And listen to me now. That's good news. It's very, very good news. But what if I was to tell you that the gospel of salvation was not Jesus' main message. His main message was the gospel of the kingdom with the gospel of salvation as a means of entering into the kingdom. Jesus' main message was the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And He explained to us that the gift of salvation... Being born again is how you enter into the kingdom. See, if you were like me, raised in church, you probably heard the gospel of salvation just about every Sunday. Now, you might think, well, Pastor Mark, you know, what's more important than that? Nothing if you're not saved. If you don't know Jesus, then there is no more important message for you to hear than what He's done for you and how to receive that gift. Amen. But if you have received the gift, right, and you're in the kingdom, I, I've used this example in here before. I'll use it again for those of you who've never heard it. it, it I think if you, could, if you could like see into the Spirit when it comes to God's kingdom, it would be like, it would be like Disney World in Orlando, Florida, the front entrance. Everybody in the front gate, though. Watch this now. Everybody just in the gate and happy to be in the gate. Oh, I'm so thankful we're in the gate. The whole point of going in the gate is so that you can then go and enjoy the parks. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? But again, I want you to get this vision like aerial view 
of Disney, and I don't know how many, what would Disney hold, 20,000 people? I don't know, I'm just throwing out numbers, I have no idea. 20,000 people can fit in Disney World Magic Kingdom at one time, and 19,000 of them are pressed against the, the inside of the entrance, right? They made it in, and they're all right there, and they're all just high-fiving one another because they made it in, because they think that's all there is to it, is getting in. Salvation is how you get in to the kingdom. So if the devil can keep you ignorant of what the kingdom is, what it's all about, what it means. So if you, again, look very carefully at Jesus' life and ministry, everywhere he went, he was proclaiming the good news of Father's kingdom. Okay? Now, the gospel of salvation focuses on people getting into heaven. Okay? And that's how it's presented to us. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I am telling you it's incomplete for somebody to present the gospel as Jesus will forgive you of your sins, you will not go to hell, and you will get to go to heaven one day when you die. And that's, what, that's how it's presented. I mean, no disrespect, but just hear me. That's how it's sold to us. Right? You understand what I'm saying? We, we, we sell it by saying, you don't want to go to hell. Hell's hot. You ever burnt your finger on a stove? Think about that whole body being burned for all of eternity. You know, it's like, oh, no, we don't want that. You know, so, you know, and, and all that's true. I'm not trying to make light of that, right? But it leaves people with the impression that that's all there is to it, right? Forgive for my sin. Don't go to hell and go to heaven one day after we get our driver's license, get married, have three kids, a career, live a long life. You, you know, it's like, What's that preacher say? Anybody want to go to heaven? The little boy's like, mm, are you getting loaded up right now? We're talking about later, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we want to go, but not now. I mean, you know, we want to have some fun. You, know? you, you see what I'm saying? We, it's, we, we, have no, we have no comprehension of these things. Again, it's because we've been fed a steady diet of the good news of salvation, but never had the kingdom explained to us and what that is and what it means and that we're actually citizens of it if we've been born again. So let me let me... Dig off into this now. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Now, remember what we said about Nicodemus. When he proclaimed the kingdom, what did he say? He said, the kingdom's here. The kingdom, watch this, I'm going to demonstrate it for you. The kingdom is at hand. That's a lot closer than three heavens away, right? This, this bottle of water, those on camera, you can't see it's right here, right? You see me pick it up sometimes. That's at hand. I can reach out and get it now. That'd be a lot different if it was out in my truck. There's a door there, there's a front door, there's a locked truck. You know, it's not nearly as convenient as at hand as opposed to you know, through three doors and need a key to get in. Right? Are you seeing this? And so he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom and then he demonstrated the kingdom in healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus... Now, listen, so you'll understand what I'm doing here. I could have put six times more of these verses up here. But I'm, I'm intentionally, at least in the beginning now, I'm wanting to show you these from Matthew 
Because obviously, you know, you got Matthew's um, account, Mark's account, Luke's account, John's account. And, you know, sometimes those could be referring to the same situation. But now notice, I went from Matthew 4, again, Matthew 9. I'm, tr I'm trying to show you how prevalent it was uh, that Jesus preached these things, all right? So from Matthew 4, now Matthew 9, 35, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, again, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Again, Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. All right, let's, let's talk for a minute about this. Jesus uh, was asked one day by his disciples about the end of the world or the end of the age. And Jesus began to explain to them these different things, um, natural disasters, uh, earthquakes, um, uh, uh, pandemics, um, wars and rumors of wars, uh, the whole list of things, right? And he said that these things were the beginning of sorrows, but that's a little bit misleading, That the King James Version. It literally means that these are the beginning of birth pangs. Now, if you go back, you think, well, Jesus, there's always been pandemics, there's always been uh, wars, and there's always been, you know, all these things that Jesus listed. It's like, okay, how's that really helping us? Because those things have happened all throughout human history. When Jesus said that these things are like birth pangs, what he's telling us is anybody, any ladies in here ever given birth, I've watched my wife give birth to two children, birth pangs start out and then as they progress, they increase in frequency and they increase in intensity. Am I right about it? Okay. So there's always been earthquakes but we're seeing more earthquakes more frequently and more intensely than we've ever seen in the history of humankind. Have there always been pandemics? Have there always been starvation? Have there, all these things, right? But again, they're escalating, right? And so when Jesus gave us this list, but here's the mistake that people so often make. We think all of these things mean the end is coming. Jesus says these things must come and they will come. But this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. The end is not coming until the gospel of the kingdom. That's a big difference right there. A lot of people. We help. Here is the family of faith and heritage. We help finance people to go into the remote parts of the world and preach the gospel of salvation to men and women so they can be born again. But it's not just the preaching of the gospel of salvation. Jesus didn't say that the salvation would be preached. Salvation is a means of entry into the kingdom. You can't see the kingdom or enter the kingdom unless you're born again. You can't be born again unless you receive the gift of salvation. You can't receive the gift of salvation unless somebody explains or tells, proclaims the salvation message to you. So if you don't go out of here saying, Pastor Mark doesn't think. No, Absolutely. 100% got to proclaim that message. But it's not just the, pro the proclamation of salvation. It's the preaching of the kingdom. Amen. The preaching of the kingdom. So the gospel of salvation is important and necessary, but it's not the same as the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation focuses more on getting you into heaven 
The gospel of the kingdom focuses more on getting heaven into you and then into the earth around you. Do you see the difference there, right? See, so many of God's people are, you know, the fire escape, they're, you know, get out of here, escape the corruption that's in the world, just holding on to the bitter end and, 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 and you know, one day Jesus is going to come and rescue us, right? It's a, it's a wrong mindset. Now that we're in the kingdom and God's kingdom is in us, I'll show you this in the scriptures, his desire is for now the government of God, the kingdom of God that's in you to be making a difference in the world around you. Now, let me... Um, thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's start to try to establish some understanding, okay? When most people hear the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, they automatically think of going to heaven one day by way of death or rapture, okay? Um, I believe in heaven as a place that we will go to one day. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about something that we enter into while we're here on the earth. Amen. Not pearly gates and streets of gold, but the kingdom that Jesus brought with him to the earth. Okay, I don't want to confuse you. Just stay with me. If you've got questions, we'll maybe start next week's class with questions along these lines. All right. You still with me? Yes. yes? Okay. All right. So <clears throat> Jesus, let's get this established too. Jesus did not come to create a new religion. He did not come to create a new branch of an existing religion. He came to bring God's kingdom to the earth and provide a way for you and me to enter into it. That's what Jesus was about. Okay? Now, one of the things that I confess, one of the things that I say, because uh, I get asked this a lot, what kind of church y'all got down there? Y'all Southern Baptist or? You, you're not them Pentecostals, are you? you know, so like you said. Okay, so, so here, here's my answer. Okay, I'm a kingdom man. I'm about my father's kingdom. My father's business is building my father's kingdom. Are you following what I'm saying? It's a kingdom mindset. I owned a cabinet business for a lot of years, and in, in cabinet business, you know, we were often competing with other cabinet companies for some of the same work. And, um, and I just refused to participate in some of the things that other folks, uh, underhanded things that other folks would do. Uh, to get business, I just felt like he didn't have to cheat to win, and, and still believe that. And and, uh, and so there's one particular situation that was kind of eating at me a little bit. And um, and this is how the Lord showed me this. Okay, um, when it when it comes to uh, cabinet businesses, he he asked me this question. He said, he said, what if your dad, my father's David Winsley, said, what what if your your dad, David Winsley, what if he owned every cabinet business in Birmingham, then I would not be in competition with the other cabinet businesses. We would all be working together for my father's interests, right? My father's business, right? So I will not let the enemy try to put me in competition with another church or another pastor. This is my father's, this is my father's kingdom. 
Some of you have heard me say this before to you personally, individually. I'll say it to anybody listening, watching right now. The only church I want you to be in other than heritage is the one that my father wants you to be in. Amen. I have nothing more. I mean, I wish every one of you would come and be a part of heritage until Jesus comes back. Okay. But that may not be what father has for you. Are you following me? And, and I'm not going to try to manipulate you into being a part of this congregation. Right. First of all, it's not my place. The Bible says the Holy Spirit places the individual member in the body of Christ where he wills, where he chooses, not where I choose. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna, I go start down this road and I go a long way down it. But, but again, amen. Jesus didn't come to create a new religion, not a branch of an existing religion. He came to bring God's kingdom to the earth and provide a way for whosoever will call upon his name to enter into it. Okay, now. Next thing, Jesus taught about the kingdom more than any other subject. It was his first message. It was his most consistent message. And it was actually his final message while he was here on the earth. And I'll show that to you in just a moment. Now, the next thing I want you to think in terms of the kingdom is the kingdom is the source for our authority and effective ministry. We are citizens of God's kingdom, and we are ambassadors. Remember that out of 2 Corinthians 5? We're ambassadors. Now, the Bible says you are an ambassador. So think in terms of our United States government. Our U.S. government has ambassadors representing our interest in foreign lands all around the globe. Most nations on planet Earth, the United States has an ambassador. We have an embassy there even and an ambassador there that represents our interests in that, in that land in the same way. We are in this world, the Bible says, but as born again men and women, we are not of this world. This world is not my home. This, this, this world is not your home. Our homeland is the kingdom of heaven. Our homeland is our Father's kingdom. We are citizens now of that kingdom, and we are ambassadors in this foreign land. Amen. Amen. You, you heard the old timers talk about pilgrims, right? You know, what? Amen. So here we are, representing our Father and His interests. The Bible says things like this No man goes to war at his own expense. Meaning what? Our ambassadors aren't over there, uh, you know, finding secondhand jobs to uh, part-time jobs to pay their way. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, they're, they're, they're representing our government and our government uh, pays their way over there, finances their lifestyle while they're there so that they can represent. Amen. Amen. All right, watch this though. I, we could go on and on about this as well, but let's just try to nip it in the bud. But let, let me say this. An ambassador for the United States uh, in Japan does not set his or her own agenda in Japan. <laughs> They're not there <laughs> to do their thing. They're there to represent their homeland and to, and to do the United States is what's in their best interest, right? Our best interest as a country in that. All right. Amen. So the kingdom then is the source for our authority and our ministry, effective ministry, we are citizens of and ambassadors for our Father's kingdom. Now, let me give you some more verses, praise God. Matthew chapter 3, 
verses 1 and 2, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then after John the Baptist, Matthew 4, 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then Matthew chapter 10, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay? Now, we know that what began with John the Baptist then went to Jesus, then went to Jesus' inner circle of 12. In Luke the 10th chapter, we find out that there were 70 people. We don't know these people's names, but we know there were 70 uh, more that were sent out. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke chapter 10, verses 8 through 12. Jesus speaking to these 70, Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as is set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Wow. Now, <laughs> there's other places where we see that Jesus made the point that if, if the miracles and signs had been done uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah that were done for some of these you know, communities, that Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented years ago. But now these people are seeing these signs, miracles, and wonders, and, and, and they're rejecting God just as as stubbornly as, um, as those folks did back then. That's what he means by this. It would be more tolerable um, in that day, the day of judgment for Sodom than um, for that city. All right. So, yes, sir. So, I went to serve at Christmas. Uh, I went to serve on Christmas Day. Okay. I drove down to Lane Park, and I handed out some pamphlets and some gloves. Okay. Amen. All right, so that leads me to uh, something the Lord spoke to me years ago that really helped me, and I've tried to pass this along uh, to as many folks as possible over the years. And, and it simply says this, don't let the people who reject you keep you from reaching the ones who want you and need you. Amen. Amen. Right, because Jesus told them, right? Don't let the people who reject you keep you from reaching the ones who want you and need you, right? Amen. I think Miss Sis had something in class that that go to, went along with that this morning, from what I from what I heard. So, um, Amen. Because notice now what he said. Either way, whether they reject it or received it, what did he say? Announce. 
whether, whether, you, whether you received it or whether you rejected it, uh, just know this one thing. The kingdom of God has come near to you today. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, it comes near and folks receive. They get healed and blessed and set free and delivered. Comes near and, and they, they reject it. They miss out on all that the kingdom of God could have otherwise produced and affected in their lives. Now, the same message then preached by, think about this lineup here. John the Baptist, Jesus said, greatest prophet born of a woman. Okay, The Messiah himself, the Son of God himself, Jesus. The twelve holy apostles and the first 70 missionaries. Okay, These are some very important people who were all given the, uh, this very significant message to proclaim or to announce that the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is no longer three heavens away and difficult to access, but it's as close as your outstretched hand. Now, let me remind you this word repent from the original language is the Greek word metanous, and meta means a new condition. Nous means mind. So repent means a new condition of mind. We've often, again, raised in church, we've heard repent meant stop sinning, and certainly it does. I mean, I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong, but repentance is actually a change of thought that translates into a change of action, okay? If, if you don't do anything with the underlying thinking, then you can't, uh, you know, consistently change the outward behavior. But now, we've got to go back, though, and put ourselves in these men's and women's positions because what they understood, if they understood anything at all, what they understood was a man of such stature and righteousness as Daniel, right, had to pray and fast for 21 days just to get an answer to a question, right? Okay? And so he's saying, if you think like it used to be. In other words, if you think of it like this, you're going to miss out because um, it's not that way anymore. The kingdom that was once three heavens away and very difficult to access is now as close to you as your outstretched hand. So you can't keep thinking the way you've always thought about this. And I'm talking to you and me now, right? Because the kingdom is here. It was once three heavens away. Jesus, he is the king and he's come to this earth and he brought his kingdom with him. So I like to say it this way. We must become kingdom-minded. We've got to become kingdom-minded. Amen. I, I sometimes say this, but, and I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm not, you know, I mean no disrespect, but, but I drive kingdom automobiles. I live in kingdom housing. In other words, every, these are kingdom clothes that I have on. Every, every, everything that has anything to do with me right, is because of my Father's kingdom. Right now, let me let me see if this will help some of you. And maybe I should have led with some of this. But when we say the kingdom of God, we're talking about the government of God. Okay, the government of God. And I'll show you this in the scriptures here in just a moment. But let me say it a few different ways to try to be more uh, well-rounded and inclusive in what we mean when we say or when the Bible says the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God means the government of God. So we're talking about the rule of God, the reign of God, the realm of God, and the resources of God. God's resources. Remember Nicodemus asking about the, the miracles. <laughs> and Jesus said, what, what you're, what's happening is the kingdom of God is breaking through and people are receiving healing from the kingdom 
But you won't see it, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, and you won't enter into it unless you're born again. But that's what's happening. It's like the wind blowing and the trees moving, the leaves rustling, so to speak. But it's, an, it's, an, it's something that's invisible, but it's producing visible signs. What was producing the visible signs? It was invisible kingdom. So the kingdom of God means the government of God. Um, when we talk about the government, if you think in terms of the United States government, there are lots of different things that our government does and provides. Okay? And so in that same way, now think about the kingdom of God being the government, not of, of men, but the government of God himself, but it now being present with power here on the earth. All right. Now, I had really hoped we would have gotten here last week because it's such a beautiful Christmas verse, one of my favorites. Isaiah chapter 9. Verses 6 and 7, speaking of Jesus, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Hopefully you'll see this in different, with different eyes now, maybe for the first time. And the government will be upon his shoulder. You see that? The government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now that's important right there. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward. Even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, let's talk about two key points from here. The government on his shoulder is a unique and prophetic way to communicate this. We normally think, follow me now closely, okay? We, we normally think of the government in terms of head, right? Heavy the head that wears the crown, the head of state, the head of the government, the king or the queen in a monarchy. Of course, we have a representative republic here in the United States, you know. But we think of the, the governmental head. It didn't say that the government would be upon Jesus' head, although he is crowned king of kings and lord of lords, right? Name above every name. Am I right about it? I'm not, amen. He ascended to the throne of the universe, right? Am I right about it? Okay. So then why did he say shoulder instead of head? It's because the shoulder is a part of the body. Amen. And we are seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places. It's not just that the government is upon his head, but the government is upon his shoulders. You and I are individual members of the body of Christ. The Bible says Jesus will rule and reign until the last enemy is put under his feet. Okay? Under his feet. Not under his chin. You follow me? The feet are on the body. You and I are members of the body. Jesus will rule and reign until the last enemy is put under his feet, under the feet of his body, under you and me. Amen? Okay. And so the government of God now, it rests upon... Jesus is the head. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But his government is now upon... And I'm going to show you in a minute if we get there before the time's up this morning, this evening... That it's within you. That government's in you. Whew, praise God. That government's in you. Okay, now, let me, let me show you another thing. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus gave us a parable 
to really understand and connect with this. And we find it in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. Matthew 13 and 33, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. If you're not familiar with leaven, think yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All right? So what's the imagery here? The imagery is a whole bunch of meal, and she took a little bit of leaven, and she put it in the meal. And if you understand how leaven works, it begins to infiltrate and work its way through that meal until it all is affected by the yeast or by the leaven. The biblical principle is a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Okay, It's just a little bit of something that becomes invasive. Now, just about every other time, and if I'm, if I'm correct, every other time Jesus used the term leaven, he used it as a, in a negative connotation of something that would uh, corrupt a correct doctrine. Uh, the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod, okay, leaven of the Sadducees. In other words, thinking from uh, uh, religious minds or uh, earthly governments that would... Uh, if allowed unchecked in our hearts, would uh, undermine, so to speak, the good things and the true things that Jesus was teaching us. But in this situation, he uses the imagery in a positive sense, saying that the little uh, seemingly insignificant portion of leaven, once introduced into the meal, will not stop until it has changed the entire barrel of meal. He says the kingdom of God is like that in the earth. The kingdom of God has come to the earth. It came uh, you know, in a manger, right? It was, it was A baby in a manger seemed very insignificant. But notice what Jesus introduce the kingdom of God into the earth when he came here it continues to grow unto this day until what we see prophesied in Revelation eleven fifteen will come to pass then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever so do you see why I said it earlier but I got a slide now that says it the kingdom is here and it's here to stay some of you look a little bit overwhelmed. Am I going too fast? Okay. The kingdom is here, and it is here to stay. Amen. If you are a part of the kingdom of God, you're a part of the only thing that's on this earth right now, right, that will be as it is when this earth ends. Amen. 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 And I listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a faith child of a faith God. But when, when Jesus, the head of the church, says, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and it must happen, amen, amen. That doesn't mean it must happen to you. That doesn't mean it must happen to your household. Are you hearing me? When, when, when the plagues and the judgment came against Egypt, the lights were still on in Goshen. Praise God. Meaning what? Meaning God's people were protected from what was going on all around them in the world. And I believe that is part of God's plan. Are you hearing me? For people who understand the kingdom, for people who know how to live in the kingdom, people who seek first the kingdom of God and God's ways of doing and being right, right? He said, well, all, everything that you need will be added to you. Is that as the dark gets darker, right? The lights that are the children of God in the earth are going to shine brighter and brighter. Amen. 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 Now, 
let's talk about these miracles and signs for a moment. We've got a few more minutes, okay? We see Old Testament prophets perform the same miracles as Jesus with one exception. Jesus multiplied food. Well, Old Testament prophets multiplied food. Uh, uh, crews of oil. I mean, there's different stories. We could go through all these if you haven't studied them or heard about them, okay? We know that um, Old Testament prophets healed the sick. We even know that they raised the dead. And we see that they operated in authority over nature. Floating axe handle, floating axe head, all these things, right? Um, that's, that's akin to walking on water, right? I mean, if an if a, if a iron axe head can float, then amen. All right. But there's one exception, and it was reserved as a sign that the kingdom was here. And that one exception is only Jesus casts out demons. Okay? Now I say only Jesus. Now we do because we're members of His body. And we see this in Luke chapter 11, verse 20. Jesus says, If I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So remember what we said earlier. The Old Testament prophets... They were given a measure, a portion of God's Spirit. It came upon them. That measure, a portion of God's Spirit empowered them to do miracles, to multiply food, to, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to um, even exercise authority over nature itself. But none of them, as we see in the Old Testament, ever cast out a demon. So what Jesus is in essence saying is, I've done the things that you've seen them do in greater measure and abundance. But he says, if you see me casting out demons with the finger of God, it can only mean one thing. It means the kingdom of God is upon you. It means the kingdom of God is here. And of course, we know that Jesus did that and he still does it today. All right. Now, watch this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Do you see why we said kingdom overview? We could, we could take each one of these and... And, you know, 15, 20 minutes apiece on, on each of these points. I'm just trying to give you a general idea of, of what we're talking about when we say the kingdom. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, Jesus says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Calling for the kingdom to come. The rule of God, the reign of God, the realm of God, the resources of God. Come kingdom, be done, will of God, on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that should be one of the major battle cries of the church, on earth as it is in heaven. Father God desires for it to be on earth as it is in heaven. Notice now again, touching two worlds at the same time. Where we're here, but we're seated together with Jesus in Father's kingdom. We have access to all the resources of God's kingdom. And now those resources flowing from God through a spiritual union that we have with Him into you and me, forth from you and me, into the world around us and the lives of people around us. Amen, Romy. Still with me? In this manner, he says, therefore, pray. We could, again, there's a lot of teaching we could do here. 
um, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. He gave them a model prayer. He gave them a model to follow. Notice how it begins, our Father. One of the most important words there is the word our. It's a fellowship word. It's a fellowship word. What Jesus is in essence saying is, my dad and your dad are the same dad. Certainly we respect him as God, but he invites us to come to him as a child comes to our Father. Amen. And he's in heaven, our Father in heaven. What's the given? What's the implication? We're standing here on earth while we're talking to our Papa, our Abba in heaven. Okay? So we're here, he's there. Prayer is our communicating to him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means to respect, honor, reverence. Again, take a few moments when you're praying to recognize him, who he is, who you are uh, in respect to him. Amen. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you're praying about situations in your own life, when you're praying about situations in your family, we need to understand what God's will is in those situations. Amen. We need to, how can we know what His will is in those situations? His word. What's the most important question we could ask about anything and everything that has to do with you and me? What does the Word say? What does the Word say? What does the Word say about your children? What does the Word say about your finances? What does the Word say about your emotional well-being? What does the Word of God say about anxiety? What does the Word of God say about depression? What does the Word of God say about rebellion in, in rebellious children? Again, all these things, marriage, finances, what does the Word of God say about these things, right? Father takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. Father... Again, on and on and on. We've got to know what these things are. We've got to know what His will is. You pray His word, you pray His will. If we, if we pray according to His will, we know that He hears, hear, hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have whatever it is that we ask of Him. Romans 8. Romans 8 talks about our inability to get results because we don't know how to pray over a situation as we should. And it's in these situations where the Holy Spirit of God inside of you will pray through you with words that you don't know how to articulate in, in known language. This is an unknown tongue. Amen. It is, it is the mother tongue of our homeland. Are you hearing me? Praise God. It is the... Oh, sweet Jesus. Praise God. Amen. It's the, it's, it's, it's the mother tongue. Amen. The, the unknown tongue. The tongues. Paul said, I speak with the tongues of men and I speak with the tongues of angels. Amen. Amen. I am bilingual. Praise God. I speak, I speak angel and I speak English. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. How do you know, how do you know to speak with the tongues of angels? Amen. It's because the Holy Spirit knows. And I yield my tongue to Him. And now He helps me pray a perfect prayer in perfect agreement with the will of God and make intercession for other people according to God's will. Come, kingdom, be done, will of God. When Jesus taught us this, He put the verbs first for emphasis. And it's the, it's the idea of like, you know, if... Uh, I think my favorite scene so far in the Chosen series... Anybody seen the Chosen series? Oh, yeah. It's the one where... Um, and we don't exactly know... I mean, we know that Jesus cast out a lot of demons. But de Jesus is not with the group. And this this uh, kind of straggler, whatever, come, and he's possessed with demons, and he talks about how they smell, you know, it obviously smells God on them, and, uh, and, and that demon jumps on him, and, uh, and Jesus walking up, and he just, and he sees that going on, and he goes, out! That's all he says in a minute. 
and demons left, you know. Wasn't all this, let me roll up my sleeves here. No, no, he's just, out! And man, them demons took off like, amen, right? Kind of like if a dog come at you and you go, get! Right? That's verb first. Right, you're not going, um, I think it is now time for me to ask you to go another direction, dog. No. It's get, right? There's a, there's a sense of an urgency to it, right? There's a, and so when Jesus taught this, he taught us to pray this way. Come, kingdom. Be done, will of God. Right? There's a, there's a certain, when I say attitude, I'm talking about not an attitude towards God, a right attitude towards God, but a boldness, a confidence. Right? When Jesus hollered, I mean, I, I know some folks get frustrated, like, well, they're just adding stuff there they don't know happened. I believe they're being inspired by the Holy Spirit to portray that, how that happened, right? But, I mean, <laughs> amen. So, see, do you see the difference here, right? There's this, there's this sense of urgency, this sense of, of proclamation. Praise God. Man, where's our time going? Where's our time going? Where's our time going? All right. Let's go, um, let's go here. Matthew 16, 18, and 19. Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay? Now, we're not going to turn there now, but we'll get there maybe next week. Um, Jesus, same gospel, Matthew, same gospel writer, Matthew. This is repeated again in chapter 18 and verse 18. Again, the, the part about the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So binding and loosing, you may not understand what those words mean yet, but they represent important tools for building the church, for building the church. Okay, so if something was to be, and I want you to hear this the way the hearer would have heard when Jesus first taught it, because the words that we have translated into bind and loose here, um, they would have understood them as something that was allowed or something that was not allowed. If, if something was bound, that meant it was, it was you, you were saying no to that that you would not allow that. Um, or if it was loosed, then that meant, okay, it's, it's free, it's loosed, it, 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 it is allowed. Um, for example, if they brought a sacrifice to the temple, it had to be approved before it could be offered, had to be inspected. And if it was bound, that meant that it was rejected and, and it was not allowed to be used. Or if it was loosed, then, then it was free to be offered. Okay, so these would be the, the terminology like, like stop and go uh, to really oversimplify it. Yes? Okay. So notice now, he's, Jesus is saying to Peter and then also to you and me in Matthew chapter 18, 18. I think that's one of the reasons why it's repeated by the same gospel writer in another portion of the word is so that we wouldn't just think he was only referring to Peter. But he has given to you and me the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys to the kingdom of heaven so that whatever you bind on earth, notice what he's saying, that if you bind it on earth, that God will back you from heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, he will back you from heaven. Are you, are you seeing this now? 
All right. There's a lot that we will cover here. I'm not going to try to cover it all, but I do want to say this just to equip you with this so that if you wanted to, like, maybe start tonight, you could, okay? Um, notice that <clears throat> the initiative falls upon you and me. Are you seeing this? The initiative is from your position here in the kingdom of God on the earth. Whatever you say no to here on the earth, that, and the literal translation is, having already been said no to in heaven, okay? Whatever you say yes to here on the earth, God having already said yes to it in heaven, He, he, will, he will back you. Are you seeing this? Okay. But again, if, if we're not using the keys... You, you can have the keys to a new Mercedes and walk the rest of your life. I mean, you, right? Just because you got the keys don't mean you're going to use them. But we've, we've been given the keys. Those keys represent some very important things we'll talk about next week. But, but again, we've got to understand our position in the kingdom. Understand the kingdom's position in you and me. Understand that, that we are in this world, but we're not of it. Understand that we're ambassadors for our homeland. Understand that God is, is with us. Here, I've heard it said this way. Let me, let me see if this will help you. Jesus did not say, hey, fellas, I'm going into the world to preach the gospel. Do you want to come with me? No, no. See, Jesus in heaven, he says, you go into all the world and preach the gospel, and I will go with you, and signs will follow. See, it, it's, that, it's that transition, it's that shift, where he's saying to you and me, you take the initiative and step out, and when you step out, I'll step out with you. If I'm not allowing something in heaven, then you have my authority to not allow it in your life on the earth. If I've said no to it in heaven, then you've got carte blanche to say no to it on the earth. If I've said yes to it in heaven, then you've got carte blanche to say yes to it on the earth. And whatever you say yes to on the earth that I've said yes to in heaven, it'll be. And whatever you say no to that I've said no to already in heaven, it'll be. Amen. Think about everybody talking about what God allows. God allow God. I mean, it's all God, I can't believe God allowed that. God's up there going, I can't believe you're allowing it. Whatever you allow on earth. See now, see, but watch this now. I've preached this for years. Some people love to hear it. Other people get mad. Right? Because we, we would rather have a God to blame or a devil to blame or somebody to blame, but we don't want this gospel of responsibility. We don't want to be told that there's something. Now see, for me, when, I, when this first started being explained to me, I'm like... Shazam, you're telling me there's something I can do that'll make a difference? Tell me more. And other people are like, who do you think you are? Again, see, people, it'll, it, don't let the people who reject you keep you from reaching the people who want you and need you, right? But, amen. Now, we want to be victims or are we going to be the victors that God made us to be, right? Okay. Amen. Father, you're good to us. We love you. Thank you for life and peace. Thank you for helping us. Lord, we've covered a lot of stuff and we've covered it in a hurry tonight. But your Holy Spirit, he, he uh, operates, uh, Lord, above time and space. And, 
and he can bring back to our remembrance all the things that, that I've said and even the more things that you've said in the, in the hearts and minds of, of people listening here and, and online this evening. Lord, thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your help, your love, your wisdom. Father, for a, a new perspective, a new perspective that we are in the kingdom and the kingdom is in us. And Father, we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves and that your government is here and it's here to stay. And of the increase of your government, there'll be no end. And so, Father, we are a part of it, and we will be forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here uh, this evening. Blessings to you and yours. Happy New Year. If I don't see you uh, before the end of this one, and good.